Hi, everybody. Welcome to Packers Unscripted, or should I say welcome back to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford. He is the one and only Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. Wes, we are back. We will officially call this the kickoff of Season 4 of Packers Unscripted. Can you believe that? Like all great shows, Michael, back for a fourth <laughs> season, renewed by Craig Schielbauer, the man above <laughs> And hitting it back in this action and Packers.com in this studio. Incredible how time fast the time flies. Happy to be back. No doubt about it. And we are back because right around the corner, we are just a matter of hours away, I guess we could say, from the opening training camp practice of 2019 for the Green Bay Packers, for Matt LaFleur in his first year as Green Bay's head coach, as well as a handful of other coaches who are on his staff and in Green Bay for the first time. We'll call this our training camp preview episode. We'll try to cover all the bases here. For those who like to read, I just want to refer you to our Countdown to Camp series on Packers.com because Wes and I put together position by position. We go through every spot on the roster, laying out who all is there, the battles for starting positions, for playing time, for roster spots, all of that. You can catch the whole series on Packers.com as it wraps up this week, but Offensive side of the ball, Wes, I'm just going to throw it at you. What do you see in that phase of the game on the offensive side for the Packers as the number one issue heading into training camp? I think the number one issue is really finding more established playmakers. Uh, you know you have Devontae Adams. You've seen in spurts what Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams can both do. Certainly the track record's there with Jimmy Graham. But when you lose a playmaker like Randall Cobb a year after using a playmaker, like Jordy Nelson, yeah. Packers need new talent to emerge. The exciting thing for them is I think there's a lot of really good candidates at the receiver position. Uh, we saw some hints of it last year with Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Geronimo Allison is healthy again after the core muscle injury. But it's one thing to have that potential. It's another thing to turn it into production. And I think as they go into this year's training camp, this year's preseason, seeing which one of those guys kind of grabs the brass ring and establishes themselves in this offense. The quarterback's there. The scheme is there with Matt LaFleur. They just need that young talent to emerge. They feel good about it, but again, it has to be accomplished on the field. Yeah, I think when you look at the skill positions on offense, that's really where the attention is. And I don't mean to discount what's going on in the offensive line when you have Billy Turner stepping in as a new starter, Lane Taylor coming back, being healthy in an offseason for the first time in a couple of years, and an all-pro at left tackle and David Bakhtiari and a future pro bowler, I think, in Corey Lindsley, Brian Balaga, all those guys. But when I look at the skill positions, Wes, you mentioned Jimmy Graham. He made no bones about the fact that he his first season in Green Bay did not go the way he wanted. You look at running back, I think Aaron Jones is a potential star in the making in this league and in this offense. Jamal Williams is a proven guy after a couple years. And then where does Dexter Williams right. fit into the mix as a sixth-round pick out of Notre Dame with a lot of potential? And then at wide receiver, it's Devontae Adams. And right now, a whole bunch of other guys, right? MVS, Geronimo Allison, EQ St. Brown, Jamon Moore, Jake Kumaro, Trevor Davis coming back after a year sort of lost to injury, you might say. There's a lot to pay attention to here. You got any, I guess, early inclinations at wide receiver as to maybe how you see this shaking out? The two guys that really impressed me in this offseason program were obviously Geronimo Allison and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Allison, just because of the shape he returned in, um, he, he looked like he was built for a big role this year. You can tell he put the time in 
got back from that core muscle injury and, and looked like a guy that could potentially play in the slot. He's certainly proven himself outside. I think he brings that multifaceted sort of skill set that Matt LaFleur wants out of the receivers. From MVS's perspective, this is a guy that averaged, what, over 15 yards per catch last season. He had 38 catches for... 600 yards or whatever it was I mean he's a big play target and I think he has a field stretching scheme that's really going to help him in that regard the guy that flew under the radar though is Trevor Davis I thought Trevor Davis had a really strong offseason program during the practices that were open to the media we all know what he can do as a returner he established himself in 2017 as one of the top returners in the league but he also was making some plays on the offensive side of the ball People sometimes forget when you think of Geronimo Allison going into his fourth year, so is Trevor Davis. I mean, this isn't (laughs) a guy that just showed up out of nowhere. I mean, he was a fifth-round pick, and now in his fourth NFL season, he has experience, he has speed, needs to put it together now. Yeah, the the tight end position, I think, is is one to watch as well with regard to you have Jimmy Graham, you have another veteran in Mercedes Lewis, but the Packers... Made an investment in the draft in Jay Sternberger at uh, at tight end. We've gotten a lot of questions in Insider Inbox about him. You and I both have talked about the the timeline, the development of tight ends in this league. It's not overnight. The the transition from being a college tight end to an NFL one is significant. And I pointed this out in our Insider Inbox column earlier this week in that you look at Jermichael Finley in 2008. He was a third-round draft pick, a young guy without a lot of college experience because he had redshirted, played two years at Texas, declared for the draft. Sternberger was a junior college guy, one year in the SEC, declares for the draft. Now, I'm not saying Sternberger is going to be the next Jermichael Finley, but Jermichael Finley, for as productive and dynamic a player as he became, his first 22 games in the NFL, West two touchdowns, and one game with more than 56 yards receiving. It doesn't happen overnight at the position, but a guy like Jay Sternberger, he's got Jimmy Graham and Mercedes Lewis in front of him. He couldn't ask to be in a better position room to get his NFL career started. Yeah, and he has Robert Tanyan pushing him for playing time too. Absolutely. I, just, I like the competition that's brewing in that room. From Sternberger's perspective, that's exactly what I've said since day one. Since the moment they drafted him, I'm sure you could roll back the film of our, <laughs> of our conversations, is that it's going to be a patience thing with him. Understanding what he did and how as impressive as it was in one year at Texas, A&M, Texas A&M, it was one year. You have to be able to build on that. You have to become a complete and full tight end. That's going to be the learning process for him. The nice thing for the Packers' perspective, what I really liked about the approach that Brian Gutekunst took here is he's given Jimmy Graham another shot. They brought back Mercedes Lewis, and I really think Robert Tanyan's a find. I think he has a skill set, especially on special teams, that lends himself to that number three tight end position that I think he can contribute. But the one thing I just want to point out, and I don't disagree with Jimmy Graham, I know he feels like there was yards left out there, touchdowns left out there, but we tend to romanticize Jared Cook's 2016 season so much, and I understand that Jimmy Graham played in all 16 regular season games, but Graham had twice as many yards as Cook did. He had twice as many touchdowns, even though it was only two, than Cook did. I think there's this idea that Jimmy Graham was going to come up and come in and put up 1,300 yards and 12 touchdowns like he did in 2011. That isn't always how it works. Yeah. I mean, it, that is a fleeting couple times a year type thing at the tight end position. The big thing for him is getting healthy, 
understanding how he fits in Matt LaFleur's offense and being that go-to target that Aaron Rodgers feels he can become. There's a reason why he's back. There's a reason why he's still here. And there's a reason why the Packers feel that this guy could be a difference maker in this offense. Yeah, well, when it comes to the offensive line, I do want to touch on this in that I think there's a lot of competition for the backup spots. It looks like the starting five, based on what we saw in the offseason program during OTAs and minicamp, left to right, you're going to have Bakhtiari, Taylor, Lindsley, Turner, Balaga. That seems to be the number one unit if everybody stays healthy and, and all of that. But the Packers have a number of guys, and I'm not even sure, Wes, if there's going to be room for all of them on the 53-man roster, yeah. but the Packers have a number of backup offensive linemen who have game experience, who have 53-man roster experience. I'm talking about Justin McCray, Lucas Patrick, Alex Light, uh, Jason Spriggs, all of, these, all of these guys who are going to be the reserves on the offensive line. That competition and how it shakes out and how many offensive linemen end up being kept and the versatility, maybe guys you know, being able to fill in at some different positions, all that is going to factor in to some interesting competition at that spot. It's the deepest group of offensive linemen the Packers have had during my time on the beat. I don't know if you can speak to that as well as long as you've been here, but the fact that you have a starting five, as I wrote in the countdown to camp series that has 325 starts in the NFL, Billy Turner can play right tackle if you need him to. He's made starts on the left side as well. And then you look at those reserves. I think you got Right now, you have Lucas Patrick, Justin McCray, and Cole Madison, who returned to the team. They're all going to be competing for those interior offensive line spots. I think you're going to see Adam Pankey and, and Alex Light trying to push Jason Spriggs for the outside tackle position yeah. in that reserve you know, area. There is going to be a lot of talent out there, and I think when you see the second-team, third-team offensive line during the preseason, it's going to be as competitive a group as you've seen, uh, at least during you know the last 10 years. I, just, I see so much talent. I see a lot of young guys, and I'm not even talking about Elton Jenkins, who was the second-round pick, who, by the way, yeah. started two years at center. Looks like he's going to be focusing more at the guard position right now, but he gives you that flexibility too. Yep. If you're not a starter, you have to be able to do more than one thing, and I think when you look at this array of talent the Packers have at that reserve spot, there are guys that can plug in different spots. The big question is going to be, and it's one we can't answer for five weeks, but how many spots do you ultimately go with depending <laughs> yeah. on how that roster looks at the end of August. Yeah, absolutely. And one last thing before we move on to the defensive side of the ball, the backup quarterback battle, Wes, I don't know what you think. I think it's wide open. Uh, Deshaun Kaiser, Tim Boyle, Manny Wilkins, the undrafted rookie from Arizona State, would be the dark horse in the race, obviously. But I've been asked this in Insider Inbox numerous times, and I've kept giving the same answer. I don't know who it's going to be, and I don't even know – I'm not even comfortable enough to say which guy, if there is a guy who's a favorite right now heading into training camp. I think it's wide open. And these guys are going to play a lot too, Mike. Mm -hmm. I think even Manny Wilkins is going to get a lot of opportunities this preseason because I, I, you know, this is a conversation for another day. I don't know how much Aaron Rodgers is going to play in this preseason. The third game, where traditionally has been your big game for the offense, the first team offense, is going to be played in Canada. How does that affect things? I think you're going to see Tim Boyle get a lot of opportunities under center. Deshaun Kaiser, as the presumptive number two, is going to get those opportunities as well. But each of those practices is going to be important. It's going to be important to show, as I wrote an insider inbox this past week, the Packers that they made the right decision, not going out and finding a veteran quarterback to bring in a backup, somebody that, that would be off the market. That probably would cost a couple million dollars. That, yeah. that has a rec track record in that regard. Brian Gutekunst didn't go that way. He stood by Kaiser, who they made a trade for last year, still only 23 years old. 
all the potential in the world, has an NFL build, has an NFL arm, just trying to hone in some of those small characteristics, the accuracy and whatnot. And then Boyle, who I saw one article that said he's put on even more arm strength this offseason. I made a joke about how he's going to break the, the sound barrier with that. <laughs> I, I just think that the, the training camp reps are going to be important, but I these preseason games, man, they are going to be imperative to show that those guys can be the number two. Yeah, and you're right in that those young guys, it's up to them to show to reward the faith that Brian Gutekunst and the front office has shown in them by giving them this opportunity here in 2019. On the defensive side of the ball, to me, the biggest story is simply how do all the new pieces fit together for Mike Pettin? You've got two brand new outside linebackers in Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith. You drafted an outside linebacker in the first round in Rashawn Gary. At safety, you got Adrian Amos, the free agent acquisition, and another first round pick in Darnell Savage. The new pieces and how this all comes together with Mike Pettin, it's been quite an off season on that side of the ball in Green Bay. And, uh, it's time to get it started. So when was the last time you picked up a controller and played the Madden video game? What year was it? <sighs> at least 10 years ago. Okay, at least 10 years yeah. ago. This reminds me, I don't know if they had franchise mode back there, but it almost reminds me of like you get that first off season when you start playing the game and you start to fiddle with the roster a little bit. You sign guys, you draft guys. That's as close to, I think, the Packers' actual roster looking like, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, to that strategy. I mean, they just, it was wholesale changes across the board. Big time. And I think that's exciting. I've written about it so many times. My fingernails are coming off the hinges here during the offseason about <laughs> how this group is going to come together because there is all the talent in the world. They got two of the top pass rushers on the market this offseason. They got one of the top safeties on the market this offseason. And then, by the way, those two first-round picks that we talked this past year about, they were both used on the defensive side of the ball. Now, Gary looked explosive. He looked great, I thought, during the offseason. But this has to be the Smith show in 2019. That's yep. why Preston and Zedarius are here. Yep. Seeing how they adapt to Mike Pettin's scheme is going to be exciting. And seeing how Darnell Savage matches up with Adrian Amos and, and how those two potential pieces fit together. The veteran, the youngster, that's the first-round pick. There's a lot of dynamic play there, and that's not even talking about the cornerback position with Jair Alexander coming back after what he did a year ago. Yeah, well, let's talk about that cornerback position because you and I have talked about it before. This defense... Last year, in my opinion, this defense had its best stretches when Kevin King and Jair Alexander were on the field together as the one and two cornerbacks, yeah. whatever order you want to put them in. The problem was that with injuries to King and a couple of minor injuries to Alexander, they weren't on the field very much together at all. No. So to me, that's a huge element of this Mike Pettin defense taking the leap forward in year two and being able to play at its best for an extended stretch is for those two guys, and then you're developing guys like Josh Jackson and maybe a Tony Brown behind them, and you have the veteran and Tremont Williams at corner in that top four or five mix as well. But it's it's that those one-two guys. It, it, it hinges on that to me, so that Mike Pettin isn't trying to play this mix and match and scramble game to figure out, okay, how am I going to do this because one of my top corners is sitting out all the time. There are three keys that I established when I kept going back and looking over this defense throughout the offseason. Three keys specifically in the secondary I think will be tied to the Packers having the kind of season they want to have on defense, particularly against the passing game. One, Kevin King being healthy. If Kevin King can play in 15 or 16 games this year, the secondary is going to be singing. 
Secondly, Jair Alexander taking a year two jump after everything he brought to the table in year one would An be all beneficial. All rookie pick and everything, yep. But even more so than that, if Josh Jackson can learn from what he did as a rookie and put that towards being a consistent contributor in his second year, it's going to be really valuable for this defense. Josh Jackson played a lot, Mike, if you look back on it oh, as yeah. a rookie. Yeah, Saw action did. in all 16 games, believe he started 10 of them. There were the highs, there were the lows. But working through that and becoming that eight-interception guy that he was at Iowa, if you get those three pieces going together and can keep them on the field together, along with your Tremont Williams and your Tony Browns and you know Kadar Holman having a really strong offseason, you get that group filled out. You get that versatility together. Jair Alexander said it. They have the pass rush now to get home to be able to force quarterbacks into bad situations in a lot of young ball hawks that can go and really capitalize on those opportunities. Yeah, when you look up front on the defensive side, I think if I were to pick one position across the board for the Packers where all else being equal as far as injuries not necessarily making decisions for people, if there's one position I think the Packers might have a really tough cut coming as far as a guy they really don't want to let go but they're going to be forced to just based on the numbers I think it might be the defensive line because you've got Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels they had some injuries last year they are back you don't have Muhammad Wilkerson as far as that big three we were all talking about last year but with those injuries up front Dean Lowry got a lot more playing time, and he really came on strong at the end of the year. Tyler Lancaster came on strong at the end of the year. So did Montrevious Adams. Then you add a draft pick in Kingsley Kiki to the mix, another young guy like Fadol Brown who flashed here and there. I don't know if the Packers are going to have room for everybody that they really believe belongs on an NFL roster on the defensive line because they've put together a really nice up-and-coming young group behind a veteran like Mike Daniels who's uh, going to be entering a contract year himself. It's really interesting too, Mike, because there were years, especially to going back to my days at the Press Gazette, they'd ask us to cut the roster you know, during the offseason. They asked to cut the roster <laughs> before the start of the regular season. And there would be years, I'm not kidding you, where I would look at the defensive front and I'd kind of be like, okay, i got to find five guys here. And that's not a disrespect to some of those defenses, but there just wasn't that depth. There was a reason why they went and drafted, you know, Kenny Clark. There's a reason why they tried to get Dayton Jones in 2013. They needed to really deepen that yeah. reserve. And talking with Mike Daniels earlier this offseason, they've kind of done that now. You have Daniels coming back off the foot. I think it's his expectation to be back here early on. We'll see exactly how that situation plays out. But Kenny Clark's a guy that played 80% of the snaps last year when he was healthy and wasn't complaining about it. He actually looked even better. Things you can get away with when you're 22, 23 years old. But <laughs> Dean Lowry quietly had the best year of his career. I thought you saw Tyler Lancaster come out of relative nowhere. Yeah. If you look at it from an undrafted perspective, even though the Packers felt pretty good about him. Absolutely. He came up from the practice squad when Kenny Clark was down. He was their starting nose tackle for three weeks. And by the way, they actually defended the run pretty well during those three weeks. Very well. You you have Montrevious Adams needs to really show that he can be the player the Packers felt he was three years ago. And then Kiki, I think, is such a great prospect for them because as he settles into his body and they figure out an exact role for him, I think the one drawback to how he was used in college is he never really got to be one guy. He had to be a number of different guys. And then not to mention on third downs, you're going to see guys like, you know, Zadarius Smith move inside. So I'm just, it's going to be a really difficult decision on the defensive line. Sometimes, you know, out of hand causes, you know, change the game a little bit. Yeah. Not wishing for any injuries whatsoever, but I seeing how those roles get filled 
and then also how much playing time trickles down past you know the Clarks and Lowrys and and obviously the Mike Daniels is going to be really interesting to watch. Yeah, well, one guy we didn't talk about yet on the defensive side, but he's a nice transition into the special teams discussion, and that's Oren Burks yeah. at inside linebacker. He's a guy who looks like he's ready and prepared to seize that uh, other inside linebacker spot on defense next to Blake Martinez. And then it's Burks and another inside linebacker in James Crawford, who may be two of the guys who are looked to as you know, the quote-unquote bell cows, the, right. the real leaders on special teams as the Packers under a new coordinator looking to really revamp their special teams and get away from all the penalties and all the problems with the field position and everything that you know, really hindered the team on both sides of the ball, frankly, in 2018. So um, special teams, to me, when I, I look back, too, Crawford and Burks, they were solid special teams players for the Packers last year, and those guys had one penalty apiece yep. out of all those penalties that were on special teams. So these are the guys that can lead the way and get everybody else get everybody else to follow and clean up that, that aspect of the game. Just to close up and put the bookend on the defensive conversation, Oren Burks, a lot of people have asked, is he going to be the guy next to Blake Martinez? Obviously looks like that in early down situations. His competition, though, is not going to be Crawford. It's not going to be Ty Summers. It's going to be showing that he can be on the field on third downs and stay ahead of some of those defensive backs there that also have gotten those opportunities. Right on special teams, the thing Sean Meninga talked about from the day he got hired was aggression and discipline. Burks and Crawford are both two guys that epitomize that. If you could have eleven uh, James Crawfords on the field, you're going to have one of the better special teams units in the league because of how he's able to toe that line and be able to play within himself without drawing those unnecessary penalty negative yardage. That being said. This is going to be a big change for the Packers. They said they need to be able to establish some veteran leaders on that group. I think Crawford's one of them. I think Burks can be one of them, depending on how much he's utilized on defense. Sure. But being able to establish those guys and also keep some guys healthy so you don't have to keep cycling people through, <laughs> Yeah, that would that's help. going to be the big challenge here in addition to just being able to play fundamentally sound. Yeah, that would certainly help. Well, we are about out of time, so we're going to call it a wrap on this edition of Training Camp Preview of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com as training camp gets underway and we'll be with you regularly now for shows throughout training camp and then we'll crank up to our five days a week during the regular season you ready for that i hope so i hope my wife sticks around but yeah i, I think okay. i think i should be okay all right with that we will sign off on twitter he is at west hod i am at mike spofford at packers for the team account thanks for tuning in everybody we'll see you next time